You're listening to Crazy Busy, the podcast for executives, entrepreneurs, and savvy fast trackers who want to start their week sane and end it that way too. Here's your host, growth strategist, executive coach, and millennial leadership mentor, Karen Bellantoni. How do you even know if you've had a good day? This is where I start the crazy busy training when I go into companies to help them. I'm usually met with a sea of blank stares. Some will say, hey, that's a great question, Karen, while others will just sit and stare in the fact that they don't know and they've never even thought about what a good day looks like. It's a pretty dramatic moment. Back when I started my career, I was working at Citibank as a management trainee, and we had something called an in and out box on our desk. Work came in every day, and we processed the work, and then it went out, and that was it. Yeah, there were interruptions, and they were called customers, and some days there were more customers than others, but we knew how to plan because we knew how much work was going to come in, and that it would come in once, and then it would go out. That's why it was an in and out box. Back then, we were managing time. Today, work comes in all day long. Most of us are sitting in our inbox, waiting in hypervigilant state, aware of the notifications that trigger us into believing we're not working fast enough or hard enough or we're not keeping up. Fear that we may be forgetting something and we may not be able to get it all done. All of that energy triggers your fight-or-flight response system and takes you out of your executive function, exactly where you want yourself and your team to be. Quick story. One of my first jobs ever was at a factory where they made dresses. Somehow I thought this was going to get glamorous, but it didn't. I was 16 years old, and they sat me down in front of a sharing machine. My job was to push fabric through that machine all day long. From this fabric, a skirt ended up getting made, or the bottom part of a dress. The people that sat next to me, mostly older ladies, had piles of sleeves or tops or different parts of the dress. Everything got done in pieces, and that way we worked faster. You sat in front of a machine and pushed your work through it, watching the work go down. The pile of fabrics for sleeves would get smaller and smaller until someone could go home. Unfortunately, when I go into offices these days, it looks kind of similar. People working on pieces of projects, sitting in front of a machine and hoping they'll get to the bottom of the pile. This is what I call a factory mentality. We've got to remember that we're human beings, not human doings. Taking time to think to step back and ask yourself, what does a good day even look like? And how do I know if today's going to be a good day is vitally important. And I'm going to teach you how to do it right now. When I ask the question, how do you know if you've had a good day? At least one person will respond by saying, I feel good at the end of it. And yeah, that's the goal. But let's get specific. What does that mean? If you notice, 
when you have an incredibly productive day and you feel really good about yourself, which probably happens randomly right now, you've gotten three to five juicy things done. And when I say juicy, they're like a 90 minute long project. So if I meet with a client and our meeting is 90 minutes long, I have prep time, I have post time, maybe even some follow up of things I need to send them. So I know that's one of my three things I'm going to be able to get done today. By measuring, I'm able to satisfy my idea of what a good day is. I'm able to eventually meet that objective. I've planned for the day and plotted what those three things are going to be for the whole week. There's a media amount of stuff on my calendar, but I'm not operating from a to-do list that feels never-ending. That's what I see in a lot of companies. These lists aren't enough, and putting them into Trello or Asana and operating off the list just makes it more complicated and not quite enough. You need to have a really clear idea of what a good day looks like for you today. Today, you have a certain level of energy, a certain level of support. It might be very different than tomorrow. Treating each day as a unique opportunity to approach your work is a great place to start this process. Not expecting the same day every day and the same thing every day as if you were sitting in front of that sewing machine I sat in front of, (laughs) trying to get the same sleeves out every day, because you're human and we are applying creativity, collaboration, thought, and energy to each day very differently. In my work as a transformational coach and a business strategist, I work with busy, successful executives. They're already full. So how do we find the space to change? This is step one. If we don't create the space and the time for the work we're going to do together, there won't be a transformation, there won't be a change, and there may even be a lot of guilt and frustration. So the first thing you want to do if you're looking to make change in your life, if you're trying to transform, if you're stuck, is to make space. This information is going to help you do that. So let's get into it. The first thing to do to get out of this crazy busy state and get into a comfortable, productive flow state is to examine where we're at currently. Like any strategic plan, we have to know where we are in order to decide if we still want to go where we're going or to figure out if we want to get there in the same way. For example, if you're on your way to Florida and you were driving, but you need to be there by Tuesday, you've got to figure out what state am I in? Am I in Atlanta? Am I in Rhode Island? Depending on where I'm at, I may need to jump on a plane or I may want to change my destination. So step one and tip one starts with a process which is setting up a master list. In your weekly master list, which will help you assess where you are, you list every task you can think of. It doesn't have to be just for this week. And you wanna kind of free flow and list all these tasks out, get everything out of your brain that's overloading it right now. Once you've listed everything you can think of, the first thing you're gonna do is underline anything that's a project versus a task. Many entrepreneurs I typically see have something like new website on their to-do list. This really is not a task, it's a project. It's never gonna leave your to-do list if it sits there as a project. 
Tip two, inside this master list that you've just created, we're going to start chunking. Chunking means that I'm taking this website project, let's say, and setting aside some time to take it apart and chunk it into tasks. So I may just say that on Friday from 1 to 2.30, I'm going to chunk the website project and put that on my calendar as a commitment to myself. Oh, um, just a little tip on chunking. Sometimes when I get stuck, I think, I don't know how to start this. So I'm staring at the screen. I know you know what I mean. If I would have known how to start this, maybe I would have already, right? So I inner dialogue with myself and I say, what would I tell someone else to do? And that kind of frees up my objectivity, my creativity, and I can actually think freely about how I might advise someone else. So when you're chunking, you know, it's a great tool to think about what would I tell someone else? How would I lead someone else to break this project up into little tasks? We're all pretty good at telling other people what to do. <laughs> so back to our website project. I might say the first thing I want to do is take a look at a couple of websites. I don't know, four or five websites that I like and note what I like about them. So that might be a 30-minute project or a 60-minute project. I'm going to put that on my calendar for Tuesday afternoon between 4 and 5. What might be the next level of the project? I might need to think about what other tabs I want to put on that website or what kind of information or content I would want to share. And maybe that's a 30-minute project or a 60-minute project. As you're chunking, it's important not to go deep into the tasks. In fact, stop yourself because the tendency to want to start being productive may show up. You really want to stay in the mode of chunking and schedule those tasks. You can get very distracted if you start going deep into the productivity of the task rather than staying in the strategic mode of chunking. If you feel you just really want to jump in, wait until you've chunked as much as you can. In a situation like this where you're not, let's say, a web developer and you might get stuck after your first four uh, chunking steps, that's okay. As you get into the project and you find the five sites you like, you define the tabs, maybe the third step would be to look for a graphic artist, the rest of the pieces will start to unfold. And if you're not stuck, it'll just flow. If you do get stuck, that's when you may need to go and make a call or two and ask a friend for help. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's go back to your master list. Once that master list is in front of you and it's all tasks and no projects, you're going to do what I call reverse engineering. And this is going to give you a really great dopamine hit. You're going to take a highlighter and highlight everything that does not need to get done this week. Absolutely does not need to get done this week. When you start by deferring, it takes the, some of the pressure off. The items that you have left on your list become your A priorities. Going back to the fact that you can get three to five of these A priorities done a day, depending on your energy, what kind of A's they are, and how many hours you're willing to put in for the day, you don't really want more than 15 to 20 items on this list. If you have more than that, you're setting yourself up to fail. So look at this. Already, 
we have a better idea of what a good week should look like. In order to succeed, you will need to delegate those extra tasks or renegotiate the deadlines. Renegotiation happens when you make a request to change a deadline rather than just blowing it off or waiting till the last minute and causing yourself pressure. Sometimes the renegotiation is so easy that you'll feel like you're lightening your load there as well. Sometimes we think things are a priority when in fact they're not. Renegotiation is also something that people fear doing. They feel it makes them look sloppy or disorganized, when in fact it does not. Renegotiation shows that you're organized, you're deliberate, you're planning, and you're purposeful versus letting something slide and hope it will all get done. Right here is where I see many people have a wake-up call or an aha. Did you just have one? They see that they've been over-promising and under-delivering and putting themselves into a lot of stress, unnecessary stress. Remember, when you put yourself into stress, you're triggering your amygdala, the part of the brain that sends you into fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. And you're not using the executive function, the decisioning part of your brain, the prefrontal cortex where you get into flow and you make good decisions. Once you've triggered the fear response, it has a compounding negative effect on your behavior, which is why planning ahead and noticing in advance that you aren't going to get it done and renegotiating is so critical. It sets you up for a compounding feeling of feeling good and productive and communicative rather than compounding fear and stress. Back to that master list again. Once you have renegotiated yourself to a list that has 15 to 20 A items on it, you can put them on your calendar and make appointments with yourself. A critical piece of information here is that if you work at a company where meetings are set up for you and you have meetings on your calendar already, they are some of your A items. You can't do an additional five A's on Tuesday if you have a day that's 80% full of meetings. We've got to allow space to get through email, interruptions, special requests. So really mapping those A's and leaving some space on your calendar for what we know in advance is going to be reality is just being a sane person. Regardless of what type of calendar you use, and even if you're using a journal or a paper calendar, put these commitments to yourself and work you're doing as an individual contributor on your electronic calendar too. Your coworkers are planning meetings and they're taking slots that you may have committed to yourself because you haven't fully committed and marked yourself busy on your calendar. So they're not seeing it. And that's a whole other topic, but don't run the risk of building up animosity towards others that have stepped on your boundary when you haven't really communicated your boundary properly. So we'll get to that in another show on how to set clear, healthy boundaries. In any case, just make sure these meetings with yourself are real commitments, not, gee, I think I'll do that on Thursday afternoon, but it's on my calendar, I'm committed, and I'm taking that meeting with myself as important as as it would be with my top client. Because quite frankly, you are your top client. 
All right, so now your calendar is loaded for the week and you've got this uh, messy, long piece of paper. Uh, you take that list, that master list, and put it somewhere safe where you know you won't lose all those little pieces that may be there for next week or they may drop off, but at least they're not running around in your head distracting you from the focus matters at hand. Typically, any items on your list that can wait a week are not A priorities. Sometimes those B items fall off. Sometimes they turn into A priorities. Sometimes they get deferred or they shrink because someone else owns part of the project. Those are B priorities and they're nothing we need to concern ourselves with just now. Just the A's. Next week, some of those B's, like I said, may become your A's. But for right now, they're safe in that drawer. I also keep a folder in my inbox for reading and listening. These items could be marked S or special because they're the things that really aren't urgent, but they're kind of important. For example, maybe your company puts out webinars and updates on product information that's important to your job. If you don't hear it this week, it's not going to get you in trouble. But over time, if you stop listening to this information, you will become less relevant at work. Maybe subscribe to a webinar on improving your communication, or maybe you've got one of my crazy busy podcasts in that folder. These are the things I save for the days when I get done with my A's early. It's a really powerful feeling when you've planned for your day and you've completed the things that you've set forth and you don't feel the pressure of this looming list, you can actually say to yourself, hmm, I'm going to start with tomorrow's first A and get ahead of myself. Or you might want to go to your special folder and pull out the webinar, read the newsletter, or stay up to date with one of your favorite influencers. But separating those non-urgent, likely important over time items and treating them like a treat is one way I get to consume much more of it. For me personally, I like to print the calendar in the morning so I can have that physical satisfaction of the strike through, but that's up to you. I know I've had a good day if I look at my calendar at the end of the day and I've put a line through the things I've completed. It's just really much easier for me to disconnect at the end of the day when I know I've had a good day. I plan to do certain things, I committed to them. I kept my commitments to myself and I've done them. There's no better dopamine hit than checking those things off your list or crossing them out. Finally, I would say that when you don't do what I've just suggested, you definitely have a harder time disconnecting. You start to lose work confidence because you don't even know what you're getting done and if what you're getting done are the most important things to do. We've all had those days where we go around in circles and even though we have a tremendous amount of work to get done, we leave feeling exhausted, unproductive, and really empowering the critical voice in our head to let us know we weren't good enough and we didn't get it done. So I want you to start getting real about what a good day looks like for you. Start planning. Do not arrive and dive. You'll notice that eight hours later, you're in the same position, you've eaten at your desk, and you're exhausted at the end of the day. 
When you start finding the planning process delicious and delightful and you embrace your calendar, you make it fun, you can even gamify it if you need that and give yourself an extra reward, you will feel when you leave work or when you end your day that you've had a great day. And I really want you to have that. Thanks for listening. Two last things. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with someone else who you think could benefit and connect with me on LinkedIn. Feel free to send me a message when you've gotten the answer to the question and you know when you've had a good day. Until next week, leave crazy busy behind and become the leader I know you're meant to be. Thanks for listening to the Crazy Busy Podcast with Karen Bellantoni. Keep up with Karen on social media by following Karen Bellantoni on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or sign up for her newsletter at karenbellantoni.com. See you next week.